Welcome to Escape This Podcast, a show that's a mix between tabletop role-playing and escape room puzzles. This is episode four of Chronomaly, and I just, last episode really threw me off. I don't know what's going on anymore. I, I don't know, like, I had such a clear idea of, of what the stakes were and what his secret goals were, and now I've got absolutely no idea. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens in this one. Danny, what have you done? Um, so every episode, Danny creates an escape room just out of her brain, out of her mind, and we have guests on each episode to come through and play the room. In this episode, we have two guests. We have PG Law from Survivor China and Survivor Cambodia, and we have Ryan Corbett, the owner of the Downtown 60 Out Escape Room in LA, who's an escape room and haunted attraction designer. Hello. Hey, thanks for having us. I'm very excited to have you. Uh, we've been talking for a little while uh, with with uh, with UPG about getting all this organized, so I'm glad it all came together. I'm so excited. I remember when I found out about this podcast, and I called Tommy right away, and he was like, yes, they're awesome, and he was going to be on it, so I'm, I'm thrilled. Um, we did have about three separate people who, as soon as they found out that we are Survivor fans, who just said, oh, you know who you should get on your show, who'd be really into this sort of thing? <laughs> I love that. There was surprisingly like so much crossover between escape room puzzle people and they're all like fans of Survivor. Mm. Mm. I mean, good. <laughs> I like it that way. Um, and, and Brian, we were just saying uh, that we did a, a, a huge amount of 60 out rooms while we were in LA, but I don't think we got to yours, which I feel terrible <laughs> about. Yes, you didn't. Uh, our, <laughs> the one that we are most famous for is the Miss Jezebel's Tea Party. Yeah, a lot of people told us to go do it, and it was on our list, and we just couldn't find the the time to make it happen. It's also hard because it's it's a, a it's a well known room, so a lot of people we wanted to do rooms with were like, "Oh no, I've done that one. <laughs> so oh yeah, let's do something else." It's definitely one of those that uh, most people try to get it done as soon as possible because we were originally listing it as a, a temporary attraction, but everyone loved ah. it so much we decided to keep it. Uh, all right, so now I'm sure there's going to be some experience here, but we always start with the same question to our guests, which is, this is an escape room show. What is your escape room experience? Um, and why don't we start with you, Brian, because obviously you've got a lot of experience designing. Uh, yeah, so I have so much experience with escape rooms. I'm probably in the, the 200 to 250 range at this point. I've done designs for escape rooms since 2015, and before that I was actually working with a training military in their own escape room-esque scenarios, (laughs) their own sort of situations, all very unique sort of situations. So like escape the terrorists. And PG? Well, I'm part of, uh, I'm newly added to Brian's escape room, so I've not had quite as much experience, but I think I'm catching up pretty quickly. I'm at about probably 100 now. Something like that. Nice. Yeah, but just within the past couple of years. <laughs> yes, she's been rushing them. <laughs> well, it's, it's well, kind fair. of irritating because they've done all the rooms in LA already, and then now we're having mm. to yeah. drive like an hour outside of LA to do anything they haven't done. And so the other aspect of the show, obviously, it's escape rooms, but it's also sort of escape rooms as tabletop role playing. Uh, so, do either of you have any tabletop role playing experience? Um, yeah, back in the day, I definitely. Uh, Played my fair share of uh, D&D as well as some uh, other more recent role-playing experiences and such. Well, I've, I've rolled a 20-sided <laughs> in my day. I feel like Survivor is like the largest, most complex um, live role-playing game ever. <laughs> mm. Survivor is just a big lap. 
it is pretty much. <laughs> and LA is just such a huge location for immersive theater to these days. It's basically just a different flavor of D and D. Exactly. Uh, all right, wonderful. Well, we should probably get straight into it, Danny. Do you want to whisk us away into a world of fantasy and adventure? All right, let's get into this. Doc Bill looks frustrated when you enter his lab, and he sees that you see it. Sorry, it's not you, it's me. Well, actually, it's Greg. He's really flipping my omelette right now. Kids still say that, don't they? He goes over to his computer, and he's quickly engrossed in typing. So the other six students in the room with you take it upon themselves to explain to you what's going on. They use slightly fancy words. I mean, they're mostly A-grade students, whereas you're barely scraping your respectable Bs. But, you know, you get the idea. Time travel. Some uni student named Greg has broken the timeline and you're helping to fix it. Okay, sounds fun. Bill's computer beeps. Got it. The latest anomaly looks like a big one. Very destructive. Whether to an object or to a person's life, I can't say. But it's significant enough that the readout is actually telling me when this one is. September 2nd, 16. He pauses and he turns to you with a grave expression. Oh dear. Do stay safe. The other students grimace, but you aren't 100% sure why. Was that half a date supposed to mean something to you? A random September day sometime in the 17th century? Eh. You're not going to let them know that you don't know, so you, you guys grimace as well, and then you nod like you know you're going into terrible peril, but you're so brave you're going to do it anyway. Which may or may not be true. You really have no idea. Doc Bill gives you your emergency return to the present watches and ushers you into his time machine. Enjoy London! <laughs> he calls through the door as you feel your bodies shift and start to disappear. Your faces hurt like you've got bad sinus headaches when your atoms rearrange themselves. The time machine is gone, as is the rest of the lab, and instead you're standing in a large dark room. There are no lights and not even any windows to let in natural light, so you have to wait for your eyes to adjust. So this is the 17th century, is it? You think you're in some sort of library. There are six long bookshelves taking up most of the space, and a large table against both the left and right walls. Are the bookshelves along the wall or like in the middle? No, they're more in the middle, and I've got them drawn like left to right, like three running down the left, three running down the right, but probably doesn't matter too much. Okay. Okay. One table has a globe and a map sitting on it, and whew, you wonder how different those are from the ones you're used to. And the other table has what looks like a catalogue collection. Right up the back of the room is some sort of altar, and you'd believe it if you were told that libraries back then were all religious. Large works of art adorn the side walls, so there are a couple of big paintings on each side wall. And there's a door on each of the north and south walls. The one to the south looks like it goes outside, and the north one, more like a closet door. You're standing kind of close to the south door, so eh, that's probably a good thing. It gives you your first idea that something is wrong. Because through the gap at the bottom of the door, a nasty smell is wafting in. It's smoke. And not a nice natural smoke. This smoke is bad. And oh, hang on. Lovely. It's coming to you. You can hear that date, that September 2nd, 16. You can hear it in your history teacher's voice instead of Doc Bill's. September 2nd, 1666. 
the beginning of the Great Fire of London. Oh, no. Oh, Yeah. (laughs) Okay, yes, that is very destructive indeed. But, I mean, what, are you supposed to stop the fire? No way. That's impossible. Besides, the time machine has clearly brought you to a point after the fire has begun, so there must be something else going on here. You look around the room wildly for what it could be that you're supposed to be saving when you hear a knock at the door. Not the front door. The closet door. Well, let's go open it. As you approach it, you see it's got a huge lock over its handle. It's a combination lock with a whopping 11 letter spaces. It's old. It's a bit rusty. And when you put your hands on it to wipe it away, more knocking comes from the inside. Is someone there? A muffled female voice calls in a bit of a funny accent. It's sort of it's sort of English, sort of American. It's 1600s accent. Are you locked in as well? Surely you know there's a fire. Well, if you get me and the spoils out of here, I, Grace of the Minix Society, will gladly offer my assistance to you. And her spoils? <laughs> All right. Yeah, what, what is this about spoils and a society? And so through the door, she explains. Uh, the the Minix Society is dedicated to the preservation of lost cultures. You surely know of the war with the Dutch? The library has acquired a chest of spoils of war, and, well, as the Dutch will obviously soon be no more, we must preserve what may be the last vestiges of their society. When I first saw signs of the fire, I knew I must come here. I did not anticipate a scholar here at this time would take the time to lock up the place and this closet before he fled. (laughs) You wonder if there's any way to convince her that Dutch society will probably be fine without her, but eh, she keeps talking. Look, I, I do not know how to open this door, but as he locked it, the scholar was humming a tune to himself. He was singing, you know, the old tune... Where is Radnor? Go to Radnor. Find us Radnor. But the only Radnor I know of is miles away. It's in Wales. But I don't think his singing was a coincidence. Okay. Gotcha. Wonderful. Um, well, oh, no, we can't let her burn up. I guess no, we'll obviously we got to save her. I mean, we're not going to leave her in the closet. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> but we have a combination lock here with 11 letters. Okay, um, so should we start by looking, having a look around the room? I'd say looking at the map in the globe would be an excellent start. Okay. Which would you like to look at? Uh, the map. Sure. You go over, you t- look at this map, and from what you can tell, it's a map of the UK. If it was the UK back then, man, history's hard. It mainly focuses on England and Wales, and thankfully, a lot of the place names are the same in both your time and the 1600s. And you'll be seeing an image of an authentic old map. For people listening along at home, this image is linked in the show notes below. Would you like to give a description of that, of what you're looking at, so that people at home can can follow along? So we're looking at what looks like a vintage map of England and Wales, and Radnor is clearly labelled here in the, uh, what is that, the Midwest or the Western region? Western side, of the, the writing looks slightly different. It's in Wales. So, find Radnor, okay. Um, And we can see here it's in these quadrants. Yeah, it has the the normal Mac quadrants. Uh, Okay. Um, Do you want to just keep looking? Yeah, let's go ahead and look around the rest of the room. Let's look at the globe. 
Yeah, okay, so this is definitely a globe of the Earth, but this time you can see a lot of differences right away between this one and a globe from your time. All the land masses and oceans are called different things. There are some countries that just straight up aren't there. You can see the compass point. It doesn't even say north, south, east, west. It's totally different. So you can take a look and enjoy this one. I love old world maps. Wow. And again, for people listening at home, this is another image uh, linked below. Uh, I, I really love it. It's, I mean, if you can, even if you don't usually look at the images, stop and have a look. Pull Spoiler alert, there ain't no Australia. <laughs> yeah, true. Is this the map when they thought they were going to hit um, India? <laughs> well, no, they, like, they, they already know America. They just didn't realize what America's shape was. So now it just looks like this weird cloud blob. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's good enough. <laughs> There's something there. Yeah, also, I do love that in this, in this map, Jesus lives in America. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what Jesus <laughs> Well, I mean, it takes up most of the Northwest Territories. It's just so funny because you can see Africa. Africa is perfect. They knew what they were doing there. Exactly. I don't think I see anything that refers this to the the Radnor song. Okay, should we just... Do you see anything on there? No, not yet. Do you want to... Yeah, let's go ahead and look around the rest of the room and see what else we got. Uh, Should we... You want to go to the altar? I mean, why don't we just go around in a circle and hit the art, then the altar, then the art. Okay, Uh, let's look at the art on the walls. Sure. So there are four towering paintings on the walls. They're made in some classic style with very regal figures in them. So you look at the first one, and it is a very muscular man with a staff in one hand, and he's offering his other hand to a wounded soldier. And there's a title at the bottom that says that this is Asclepius Using His Medicine. A what? Using his medicine? Uh, Asclepius. It was the uh, Greek god of, yes. or, or patron of, of medicine. Uh, the, the, the symbol, the, the original medicinal symbol of the stick with a snake coming around is Asclepius's staff. Okay. Uh, it's, I can't remember how you spell Asclepius. A-S-C-L-E-P-I-U-S. Okay, so it's a muscular man holding a staff towards a wounded person that's on the floor. The second painting is two men facing each other and they're looking kind of hostile. One of them's got a hammer in his hand and the other one unarmed. And this one is called Hephaestus wields fire against the dark Erebus. So you're starting to see a bit of a pattern forming here. This, uh, these are God paintings. <laughs> yes. The third one is a man tending to a field of sheep. And this one is called Aristeus of Husbandry. It's very nice. And you have a sneaking suspicion that Aristeus might be the god of husbandry. No, that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And the final painting has several people in it. So in the foreground, there's a large group. And there is one man lingering in the background. And then another man on a balcony high above them. And this one is called Satirical Momus Watches Alistair Form a Family Feud. All right. Uh, can we check out the altar? Yeah. You go to the back of the room and that nice, ornately carved wood altar. It's got a very obvious focal point. There is a Bible, one that even now looks super old. And that's it. Is there anything peculiar yeah. about the Bible? Um well, you take a look, and well, actually, um, apparently, when you flip on the inside, you're mistaken. It can't be that old. This is written in perfectly clear English, or you know, Bible English. 
apparently that hasn't changed as much as you'd expect. So the slightly hard to read Bible language is exactly the same. So okay. you you can read through this if you need to. Okay, we may need to come back to this as a reference point. Okay. Um, can we move? It's to not the- there for any puzzles. It's just there for spiritual fulfillment. <laughs> oh. <Good> <laughs> <laughs> My spirit could use some fulfillment at a moment. <laughs> um, can we check out the catalog? Yeah. So you go over to the other table. You open up the fat catalogs to see if they have anything useful inside them. Okay, okay. So this is very much pre-Dewey Decimal System. You think this is telling you the title of books and their locations on the bookshelves, but it's kind of hard to interpret. There are letters and Roman numerals. That's easy enough. But what do they mean? Like, which shelf is H? There's an AR and an AS, but there's no A. You really would have expected if they were going to be letter designated, it would just be like A, B, C, D, E, F. But apparently that's not the case. And so few of the book titles, uh, it's really quite a challenge to go back and forth between the catalog and the shelves trying to figure it out. Things seem like they're in all sorts of languages here. It's quite a mess. And as you keep flipping about, you find one page at the end of this catalog is quite loose. It doesn't look like it belongs. The handwriting, yeah, it's not amazing, but you think you can read it. And you're going to get another image. Sorry, this one's image heavy. This is an image heavy room. Last time we had no images. This one, we've got many. <laughs> uh, for people listening at home, this image is also available, but the lovely PG Law will describe it to you. It's like a handwritten letter. This is Tobias. The bodice? Bodice? How's that? Wait. The bodice listed below are still. Is it books? The books. That probably makes more sense. <laughs> the books. It's like when you get a thank you card from your grandfather, or and you just sit there going, "I don't know what they're thanking me. For. I don't know. It's a birthday message. I, I think this was a polite thing to send to me, but I can only read every second word." Oh God! I feel like at least I'm old enough to even read cursive writing at exactly. that point. <laughs> <laughs> language. The books listed below are still shelved under the old system. All that but... All but you found this confusing. All but you found this confusing, hence the change. I understood the shelf position relating to the number of letters in the title's final word. But the shelf designation based on which one appears first in the title was baffling. And the other rule was unspeakably incoherent. Please fix. Okay, and then below that, there is a list of what appears to be book titles. Uh, So it says, The Garden of the Night, When Rivers Run Dry, A Thames Story, Modern Translations, Old Dutch to New English, Epistolo Regenarium, yeah, sure. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds close enough. <laughs> None of these words sound like English to me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Those ones aren't. Those ones are Latin. <laughs> my attempt at remembering my university Latin. <laughs> uh, secrets of fletchery, fletchery beyond arrows, <laughs> and anatomy, oh, <laughs> Anthony and Cleopatra. All right. What? And then there's another little, like, note on the bottom that says, what's incoherent? Sort the books. Sort the words. Okay. Oh. 
So <laughs> it's a puzzle. Yeah, it is. <laughs> that it is. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I need to but go back. The... Yeah, there's still plenty more to look at if you want to do all of the looking stuff first. Yeah, yeah let's go ahead. Let's look lot. around first. A little bit more <laughs> at other stuff. Let's finish. Um, so there's, and that was the back of the catalog. Back. Okay, yeah. so there's the puzzle. And then there's all those bookshelves. Should we go? Let's go. You want to? Yeah, look obviously we will need to peruse all those. Okay, let's go look at the uh, the bookshelves. All right, so the shelves themselves, they're quite full, but certainly not packed from corner to corner. There are some spaces in between. On top of each shelf, you can see a small marble bust. On top of but each shelf? It, yeah, there's one on top of each shelf. Um, okay. The books themselves in the shelves are actually quite interesting because they have one feature that modern libraries certainly don't. This is before borrowing library books was a thing. So all of the books here are chained to the shelves. <laughs> yeah, we gotta, gotta stop that uh, shoplifting. Okay, so we can't rearrange the books. Okay. So, I believe you can still you can still oh, pull yeah, each book out absolutely. to read it if you wanted to. It's not completely locked in, yes. like the library from Doctor Strange. But uh, but they can't oh, be taken far what? from any place. Did I miss that part of Doctor Strange? There's books that are bound up in in chains, so you can't read them. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. so it's you a key can part of the movie. The classic of modern film, which is Doctor Strange. All I remember is him stealing, successfully stealing a book. He has to break a chain. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Please continue with your escape room. <laughs> is there anything um, sort of standing out about the bus as far as namings, or do they, they stand out in reflection to the artwork, anything like that? Hmm. They're all quite similar to each other. Whoever carved these busts wasn't big on differentiating them. It's entirely possible that they have some resemblance to the people in the artworks, but you can't see massive differences. Okay. Um, like, they haven't they haven't gone into particularly strong detail when it comes to their hair or their you know their nose size or anything else that might be recognizable about them. Gotcha. So it's a bit hard to tell. And are they on a reach? Uh, they're, let's say they're within reach, but they don't move, so gotcha. they don't seem to do anything. Oh, okay. Uh, and then I guess we haven't looked at the door to going outside. I mean, okay, we should look at the door, but... <laughs> I feel like we should look at the door. Well, yeah. <laughs> People who have listened to this show a lot know that you should absolutely always look at the door. Yeah. <laughs> And, well, you're going to want to get out eventually, so it's probably a good idea to know what you're dealing with. Now, this door is definitely locked, and it is locked not once, but three times, apparently. There are three keyholes. Oh, great. You can okay. smell smoke wafting in from underneath, and, yep, that's pushing you to hurry up. All the three keyholes look pretty similar to each other. There is something written above them, something that looks almost code-like. It says, M-A-T... Seven, colon, seven dash eight. And what's the other ones? Is that over each one or is there different? Well, that's just written once over all three of them. Gotcha. So we should check the Bible. Uh, okay. Yeah. Feel like a Bible. Yeah, that, that does look a little Bible-y to you. Okay. Just 
For, from your memories, you take a quick look and you see MAT probably refers to the Matthew section. Uh-huh. So you skim through the later half, the latter half of the Bible, you search for the Matthew parts, and eventually you find the one that you're looking for. And you find a specific quote. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Okay. What do we knock on? Should we knock on? Should we knock on the altar? I mean, yeah, you can knock on the altar. Should we try? Let's try. Let's. Should we knock on the altar since it's right there next to the Bible? Yeah, you you knock on the altar and nothing happens and. Yeah, you feel a little bit ripped off because you are literally being given instructions to knock. This feels like a troll, but well, there must be something different about it. Something else going on here. Uh, I suppose that sort of that sort of technology might be beyond 1666. I guess. <laughs> seek and you will find. Ask and it will be given. With ask, seek, knock. So maybe we should go ask the chick. I'm not sure, but I mean, ask for the keys. Maybe she has keys. (laughs) Can we go back and talk to her? Yeah, absolutely. And you can basically, she can be your hint system. So you, she doesn't have anything more to like offer of substance at this stage, but if you feel yourself getting stuck, you can go to her for an in character hint. Great. Um, let, let's cancel that then for right now. And uh, is there anything that we have overlooked or not paid attention to? You could, if you wanted to, just start having a random flick through the books to see what sort of things there are. Okay. Can we go ahead and uh, get started on that then? Yeah. Should we yeah, go absolutely. look for the titles that were on that sheet? Should we pull those books out? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. We can do that too. If you try to do that, as it is, it will take you a very long time. There are a lot of books, and, well, apparently, even if you understood the cataloging system, they're not cataloged under the current cataloging system, so who the hell knows where they've ended up. Gotcha. Uh, okay. Well, let's just pull out a random book and look at it. Yeah, so yeah you just take a look. Yeah. So there seems, from the titles that you can see, there's an eclectic mix of English, Latin, Greek, all sorts of other European languages. Some of them are handwritten, some of them are typed. feels kind of like a took-what-they-could-get situation. Uh, You don't see anything that immediately stands out about anyone, so you just kind of go for one that gives you a good feeling. Uh, Which shelf are you at? How about the one that's just closest to the closet door? All right, so that's probably top right according to my drawings. So you pick one out and, okay, it's a bit interesting. It's an astronomy book. It's called The Night Sky. And then you think, hey, Galileo, like, just happened. Astronomy's probably going through a cool change at the moment. You look at the one next to it, and it's not about astronomy. This one's about caves and tunnels. And then you find another one that's all about... Caravaggio and his invention of a specific art style, which is all about the focus on shadows. Okay, that's random. That's, the cataloging system here sucks. Who's the librarian? <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it's not Tobias anymore. Okay, um, so astronomy, cave, and art. Could we possibly read the titles and keep those in mind as possibly the old uh, system? 
the titles of those books don't match the ones that you had listed on yeah. that sheet about these this is the old these ones were done yes. to the old system. So presumably these so, ones are here for the right reasons. Yeah, for the current system. Okay, good. All right, never mind. Let's go ahead and check out the next one then. All right, you move down a shelf and you don't need to read much to see what this entire shelf is about. Uh, these ones are all medical textbooks. And, oh boy, you look at some of the pictures, they have some methods that you would not recommend anymore. Okay, okay, okay. And then the one below that. You flick open one of the book and you start to read it and, okay, you can understand it, but you don't quite get it. You think maybe it's meant to be funny but it's like it's all about bad decisions of old military commanders that probably actually existed yeah, i'm not a hundred percent sure what it's going for here it's just like trying to poke fun Ugh, it's hard to tell it's like your uh, military escape rooms yeah <laughs> and then napoleon attacked russia in winter <laughs> yeah, just exactly. like that Okay, and then uh, and the next bookshelf. All right, you move on to the next one. And looking at the covers of the books on this one, it's hard to get a sense of theme like you could with the medicine one. Um, like one of them is all about metalwork and another one, wow, okay, the next one is just about hell. Like literally, fire and brimstone hell. <laughs> okay. Well, I know, I'm surprised they're not all about hell. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, and then the next bookshelf. A lot of the books on this one seem to follow a bit of a pattern. They have lots of diagrams and illustrations of domesticated animals. I think these probably must match up with the, uh, the art. Because we've got the guy with the sheep, we've got the guy with the... Anyway, let's finish going through this, okay? Uh, I don't know, but let's just, let's just... Okay, the last one. Mm. And the last one, you find a book on this shelf that's in a readable enough form of English, and it's the story of Pyramus and Thisbe. If you don't know them, they're kind of the predecessors of Romeo and Juliet, so they're lovers who were forbidden from seeing each other because their families hated each other. Um, you pick up another one, and it's about Romulus and Ramus, specifically about the time in history that they fought bitterly over how and where they were going to build their towns. Right. And does, does the actual placement of each of these bookshelves matter so that we're just on the same page? No. Okay. no. These are just the books that are in each of these six distinct bookshelves. Gotcha. Okay. So, I mean, it looks like it has to do with the art. We've got the first one was the, the doctor, uh, Hephaestus, wielding the, with a hammer. Yeah. And that could be maybe like the military. The military. Or the metal work and how. Um, and then the sheep. There's... Yeah, for the, the animals. Uh -huh. And then this last one was... Um, the family feud, which would be the final one. Which is which the form of family feud. Right, the, the Romeo and Juliet, the Romulus and Remus. Um, yeah, so remember that the Hephaestus one was called Hephaestus Wields Fire Against the Dark Erebus. So we've got four paintings. There's six shelves. Yeah, so that leaves two shelves that we don't need. We should probably mix out the, the fireworking or the metalworking, excuse me. It's probably, it's the, probably the bad decisions of the military, I would guess. Okay. And then we could mix out the astronomy. Okay, the art, art which is yeah. totally random. Okay. Yeah. And then we need the medical. 
Okay. Uh, and then uh, can we take the artwork down from the wall? No, it's big and high, so it's not going to come down. And we can't move the books either. Can we turn? Can we move the bus? No, they said they were on the. Nah, they so. yeah, they're a bit too heavy and bulky and don't really seem to move. Is there anything distinct about each of them that makes them different from one another? Uh, yeah, it looks like again, it looks like the person who made them just was trying, but wasn't very good at getting those differences out. They had mastered person. <laughs> but nice. they hadn't mastered anything more specific, so they may have been trying to make them look like different people each time. Gotcha. But so that's probably not giving us the information we need. Hmm. You think we're missing something? Obviously. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, but is it like the map and the globe are not going to be pertinent to this? It's going to be. Well, the song's Radnor. So if we go back to that, um, you know, the, what we got is the E4. Um, I don't know where that would necessarily pertain to. What are we trying to open at this point? We have three keyholes and then an 11-digit lock. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got that letter from the catalog, but I think that's a different... Yeah, this is a completely different puzzle that I don't feel that we have all the information for yet. Yeah. Okay, so what can we do with the books? We can't move... We can't rearrange them. We can just... We could read them, but we can't... We can't move the paintings either. Yeah, you're not really looking for anything yet. You're right. If you solve that, you're not quite sure what would happen. We can't move the bookshelves. It's obviously too heavy. We can't move the paintings. There's nothing that we can move and change the placement of, right? Correct. No. So this is merely just getting information for us somehow. Um, we've been talking a lot about the old system because you got that note about the old system of arranging books. Mm -hmm. right? What's the current system? Uh, subject matter. Definitely seems related. Some of them definitely have themes. Should we pull, should we, can you pull that letter over here? I think we need that for this, maybe. Just to clarify, because it may have ended up being missed from your notes. Did you catch what was in the rest of the catalogs beside that note? No. So when... Did we? I don't think we, we gathered anything else from the catalog. Cool. So just that they do clearly have some sort of confusing system. It's a little bit hard to figure out. Like there are letters and Roman numerals. Oh, I didn't catch. Yeah, I didn't catch that. So yeah. So let's go ahead and check out E four. Yeah. So yeah. Once again, um, like there are letters and Roman numerals, but it's a little tricky to figure out what they mean. Like one of the shelves maybe has H as its designation. Mm-hmm. Like. You would have expected just, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F for six shelves. That would have made sense, but that's not what's going on here. There's no A, but there is an A, S. Can we get, can we get a list of each of the shelves and what their designations are? Well, see, that's the problem. The catalog, all you can find on the catalog is that each individual book will be marked with a, uh, a letter and a Roman numeral. So arbitrarily, a book might say A, S, XII. That's how it's stored, but you don't know how that relates to the physical shelves themselves. All you have are books with those sort of letter and Roman numeral combinations next to them. So is there an yeah. E4 on there? There is an E4 on there. It's easy enough to find what's supposed to be in that thing. You can see EIV written there. And apparently it's a book called Discoveries Through All Places, spelled a little bit funny for old fashioned enjoyment like discoveries has an apostrophe in it and places has a y in it but yeah so you have found a book you have found a title 
Okay, so I think this is probably going to match up with the globe. Maybe. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Is there anything uh, distinct about the book besides the title inside it? Well, actually, you have no idea because you don't know where the book itself is. All you know is that it is written in the catalog as God, being an yeah. E4, but you don't know what E4 is yet. Okay, and then there's nothing on the shelf. Is there anything on the sh There's no letters or anything on each of the shelves? No. No. Okay, so would we maybe be able to, would the artwork be the clue for which, how to name, you know, the shelf, right? Hey guys, just wanted to take a moment to talk to you about BuzzShot, the customer management software of escape rooms. By that I mean, it's not just some miscellaneous business thing, it is designed specifically for escape rooms by people who love escape rooms and know exactly how the business works. Everything about their interface is tailored for the escape room owner. Being able to see the statistics, being able to interact and send things to your customer base, it is exactly what you need. It makes your life so much easier so that you can focus on the fun parts and not just, you know, the businessy parts. And for our listeners, they have an unbelievable deal. Not only do they offer two-week free trials, but you get 80% off your first month. That is a big deal. That's a phenomenal offer. All you have to do is go to buzzshot.co slash escape this podcast. Let them know we sent you. Okay, so like, so, you know, the title of the art will maybe give us a hint or help us figure out okay. what the shelf is labeled, yeah. right? Yeah. Does that seem like... Sure. Yep. So let's go ahead and yeah. figure out how that would work. So then, so this is... An A, though. That's S. Did I spell that? Yeah, it's, it's with an that A. So I don't want you to get confused with that. Okay, so what's, what was the title of the, the Acephalus using his... his Asclepius using his medicine. Asclepius. Asclepius using his medicine. Okay. Um, and then we will also need Roman numerals. So what, what, is, what is the same with each of these? So we have domestic animals, we have tradecraft and hell, we have astronomy, uh, caves and arts, we have the family issues, medical, bad designs. Yeah, they're obviously kind of weirdly obtusely organized. So the first step might be better to find out which shelf is which. Because you know looking at the catalog that each shelf seems to have a, a, a letter designation. So you saw that there were some shelves that were labeled, like one of the shelves is obviously an H shelf. One of them is obviously an AS shelf. Uh, in fact, if you look through the catalog, uh, you can see that there's only six options for those initial letters. Oh, okay. So let's, let's have the different options then. All right. So uh, not only there, is there an AS, there's also an AR. Okay. There's an AL. Uh-huh. And there's an E and there's an M. And then an H? Yes. So that should be the Hesthesis. H? Yes. That... So we'll... So that would be... Assume... No, Hesthesis is military. Okay. So H would be that one. And uh -huh. then... Uh, the Momus was the uh, feud. Okay, so M. The M. Would... The, the painting with Momus in it was Satirical Momus Watches Alistair Form a Family Feud. 
satirical moments, which is Alistair, so it's probably something with Alistair. Yeah, hey, there, maybe. Okay, so let's, uh, what are the other four paintings that we have? We have A.S., so this is A.S., and then we have A.R. A.R., Aristophilus. Okay, so A.S. is... <laughs> Did I... <laughs> <laughs> Aristophilus. Whatever his name yeah. is. <laughs> um, so A.S., so uh, go back to the page. That would be the medicine, A.S. Uh-huh. And then A.R. was the, that one? The animals. And then we don't have an E, so A.L., would be the top one. AL for under the other uh, family feud. And there's no other paintings around. Is that correct? No, but there is an E in one of the names of your paintings. So what have you got so far? Obviously, AS was Asclepius, which you've linked to the medicine one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Who's AR? The, the sheep. So E is going to be on the metalwork <laughs> The sheep lover. Uh, e should be on metalwork and health. So then you have H. You have H under military skill. M would be up here for the astronomy, I'm guessing. Empirical. What's interesting about that shelf that you found the, the military book on, if you remember, the military book sort of was seemed to be poking fun at some of the military leaders' mistakes in the past. Yeah. If you look at the next book, it has nothing to do with the military at all. It's a similar style of book, but in this case, it's making fun of different political figures who've made gaps in their career that they thought were going to work out, and it's poking fun at them as well. So that would be the satirical moments. Okay, so you think that's M? Um, Maybe, yeah. And Alistair's forming family feud, so that Alistair would be the family feud up here with Romeo and Juliet, with yeah, Romulus and Remus. I, I suppose, yeah. So then E would be metalwork in hell, right? Well, I think Hephaestus would be metalwork in hell. Well, I mean, what is Dark Erebus? I have no idea who is Dark Erebus. <laughs> yeah. Didn't he, like, oh God, like my memory, Hephaestus was... So Hephaestus is wielding the hammer, which is metalworking. Yeah. Hammer and fire is was what Hephaestus was wielding in that painting. Yeah, so that would be H, and He's then be H. whatever Dark Erebus is, is. Well, what's the last? What's the? What was the subject matter of the last shelf that you haven't? Dealt Astronomy, with caves, and art. So. Oh, is that? Oh no. It was a. Uh, it was astronomy. It yeah. was Caves, and it was specifically a new art style involving With shadow. shadow. Let's see, that's what you got to write down everything. <laughs> shadow <laughs> art. Okay. So the darkness. So Erebus is E. So that's one. We need to go look at. We need to go look at that shelf, and then we need to look for the number right. four. Okay. Okay. So now that you have the shelves in order, you know which one is the E shelf, the one named after Erebus. That was the one with all of the night and dark and shadowy stuff. So you go to that one. You look for the what seems to be the fourth spot of there, and you do indeed find a book. And okay. So this probably is the book, Discoveries Through All Places, like the catalogue said. Problem is, you're not 100% sure, because the entire book is in Dutch. And from the looks of it, not the sort of Dutch that you might know a couple of words of from your time. The catalogue just must have translated the title for someone's convenience. You flip through the pages, and yep, the entire thing is in this strange form of Dutch, and it's unfortunate... Because you happen to spot a sentence in it that's underlined, coloured as if with an old-fashioned sort of highlighter, with arrows pointing to it. Someone really emphasised that sentence. What is that sentence? Something in Dutch. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so it doesn't matter what it actually is written out in Dutch for us. 
Okay, so let's go ahead and find modern translations, old Dutch to new English. <laughs> that feels like it would be helpful. It, it sounds like it would. So can we go find that book? Well, well here's the problem. You're welcome to try. Where, uh, where have you seen that book listed? Yeah, well, that's the problem. So it's, it's got to be here on this. Now we need to figure out this system. Okay. Now it's time for the old system puzzle. <laughs> yeah. oh, modern translations, old Dutch to new English. So what are we trying to do here? All that you've on this, uh, the shelf position is the number of letters in the title's final word. So seven is the shelf position. But the shelf designation is based on which one appears first in the title. Okay, so basically, M. <laughs> Should we go find M? It's the shelf designation based on which one appears first in the title. Oh, I see. The sh of the yeah, shelf. so because yeah. M is the first letter of modern yeah. translations, you would expect the shelf M, the first yeah. thing that appears, to be. So you could check out M7. Yeah, yeah. yeah you go. You find M7. Um, ooh. Okay, so the book in this position is written in Cyrillic. Oh, um, God. Yeah, this is not a Dutch to English translator. You must have gotten the old shelving system mixed up in some way, like so many other people apparently did. Because you got those first two, the, 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 the first two rules perfectly fine. Absolutely. Except then the following sentence. The other rule was unspeakably incoherent. Yeah. Sort the books, sort the words. So sorting the words first, maybe. Should we? So maybe doing the words in an order of how long they are. So let's say two, old, new, so on and so forth. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh... And then we need to find which letter designation comes first. So... That seems like a wonderful idea. There's only one problem with that. Yeah. Is it too old new or too new old? You get two three-letter mm -hmm. words, so maybe that's not the best way to sort them. So maybe it's not sorting by length of word. Well, the other the other idea would be to do it by the, the letters of the words, but uh, and that doesn't seem to add up. So alphabetically? Alphabetically, mm -hmm. sorting them. Alphabetically? Dutch, English, uh, new... Old. No, it'd be modern Dutch, English, modern, new. Old. Oh, are you including this? Okay. Yeah. So, but we'd need to think Dutch, English. Modern. Old. To. Translation. Well, I mean, it would be H, right? Dutch. Yeah, so if the first word alphabetically is Dutch, the first yeah. shelf that appears is H. Yeah. Hephaestus. So it'd be H7. Can we go check that out? Would it be seven? Oh, uh, yeah, it's going to be the last. Translation, right? Trans uh, yeah, translation. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. 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 Right? You head, over, you head on over to H12, and there it is, right there, Dutch to English translating book. Oh, thank God. God. Ooh, congratulations. <laughs> you pluck it from the shelf and... Just as you're about to think what a drag it's going to be to have to go back and forth because these books are chained together, uh, this whole chain actually comes loose. It's broken. So 
Great. I guess you've got a book on a long chain that you can take with you to the other shelves. Oh, Wonderful. thank God. So, <laughs> well, let's go back yeah. and translate that, uh, that Dutch sentence. Great. It takes you a while to figure out the most efficient way to handle this whole translation thing, but you get there. This is a very wordy travel book, mostly about exploring the dark, unknown regions of the planet, which you guess is why it was on the darkness shelf. The highlighted, underlined arrowed section that you found says... To open new doors, we must travel afar. Libya interior, our beginning. The destination, the Meridionalis Ocean. All right. So we're going to go back to the globe. All right. Back to the globe. You examine your globe again. Okay, so we're starting in Libya. Remember, things may not be what you expect them to be. Yeah, we just need... Okay, so here's Libya interior. Okay. And then to... All right, so we have to... Are we looking for... I mean, we should probably see if there's the Meridianus Ocean first. If Once we determine that it's just nowhere on here, then we have to rethink this as far as starting in the Libya, uh, the Libya and then moving somewhere else. No, it doesn't look like there is a ocean yeah. called Oceanus Meridionalis or something. Okay. It doesn't seem to be there. Okay. Um, should we zoom in on the little compass thingy? Because it doesn't say, you think that's going to have anything to do with it? Yeah. So basically with the compass. Is that new? It looks like Mary is south. Mary? Yeah. See right here, M E R I. Okay. And is this, and then to the east is Ori, O R I E? Yeah. And this is O C C I. That's west. And then north says S E P T. And they also all have little dots after the word. Yeah. Which means the so words it's, could be longer. Hmm. And already, the ones that you might be familiar with, uh, east being Ori, is probably short for. Orient and West being Oxy is probably short for Occident. Oh, <laughs> well, so what did was that Meridian? Is that hmm? so? This it would be south, so the Libya, so we'd be traveling south, probably. Okay. Um, our beginning, the destination, the southern ocean. To open new doors, we must travel afar. Libya interior, our beginning. The destination, the Meridianalis Ocean. So that would be the Oceanus. <laughs> I can't even. <laughs> the Ethiopicus. Ethiopicus. <laughs> yeah, something related to old Ethiopia. Yeah, it looks like the name of that ocean to the south of Libya is Oceanus Ethiopicus, or Ethiopicus, probably. Ethiopicus. <laughs> Sounds like a Ethiopicus. dinosaur. Ethiopicus. <laughs> Sure, that does sound like a dinosaur. I'm going to go with that. All right, so what does that give us? That's not 11 letters. It is 11. Is it? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, oh, 7, 8, 9, okay. 10, 11. Okay. All right, let's try that word on the door then. <laughs> you should have seen Danny's face. The moment you said, well, it's not 11 letters. We both looked at each other like, what? I was horrified. I'd made a horrible <laughs> Start mistake. Started recounting. That's all right. <laughs> that has happened once before. Yep. <laughs> well, all right, I've done the exact right. thing before. 
it takes ages for you to get that ridiculous word out, but you get that into the combination lock and the closet door springs open. We saved you! Yay! (laughs) Grace, Grace bursts out into the room. She's a little bit sweaty. You take a good look at her and... I mean, not sure what you were expecting. You probably weren't expecting her to wear like a restoration era gown or anything huge, but she's actually, she's just wearing simple leggings, close fitting dark shirt. She looks dressed for mobility, for sneaking around. Well, I guess that's how she got in here. Oh, my thanks, she says, sniffing the air. I see we do not have much time. We need to unlock the war spoils and save them. They cannot be lost. She points into the closet, and you see there's a large chest sitting on the floor. Awesome. Spoils of war. Let's go get them. How is the walk? Mm-hmm. All right, so you take a look at this one, and the lid just has a hole for a key. It's a big enough chest that even with the three of you, you could not carry it very far, and ideally you want to get it all the way out of central London before the fire hits, so that's probably not going to happen. So the best thing to do would be to unlock it and take out what's inside. Gotcha. So you've just got a single keyhole. All of the sides are flat, thick wood. And looking at it from your angle, you see there's a code of some sort painted on the front. Maybe it's a shipping code. Who knows? And it says R-E-V. R-E-V as in Victor. Yes. yes. Richmond Eastman Victor. That's Not what it stands for, alphabet. but those are three letters. That's NATO. <laughs> that's it. Phonetics. <laughs> Great. Um... What do we got still that we can use? So the Bible that said, ask and it will be given, seek and find, knock and it opens. Should we knock on the chest? Mm. <laughs> I mean, might as well just knock on the chest. I don't think that's going to do anything, but we can do it. We knock on the chest. <laughs> cool. You, you give it a knock on the top and nothing happens. You give it a knock on the front, nothing happens. Uh, just to be safe, you go around to the right and you give it a knock on the right Nothing happens, but you do actually see that this right side of the chest has a bit of code painted on it as well. It has the number 20. Okay. Uh, let's, should we go to... On the right side. Oh, okay. Is there anything on the left side? Hmm. On the left, there's the number 3. And then anything on the back? Indeed. On the back, a little bit funny. There's a number 1, and it's got a colon to the left of it and a hyphen to the right. So okay. colon one hyphen. So right. we've got to go look. Colon one hyphen. So the one in the middle. Oh, I see. So it's rounds three. So let's go back to the Bible. Yeah. One dash. Three. Chapter three, one twenty. Revelations. You don't actually find a one dash twenty. That's, uh, that's a bit of a bother. You wonder if maybe your chest rotation was not the way that it was written. Okay, so let's go to, is there a 20-3? 20 colon 1-3? There is a 20 colon 1-3. So yeah, it probably went R-E-V on the front and then following the V around to the right was what got you the 20. So going anti-clockwise, annoyingly. (laughs) But yep, you find it. Um, Revelations is in the back right. That's probably R-E-V. You flick around to it and you do find a 21-3. And this one says... Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. Okay. I would like an angel to appear right now with a key (laughs) in his hand. (laughs) Um, Okay. Was there anything up high in the room? 
you, while you are hoping to summon an angel, you look up and your eyes fall on several wooden ceiling beams. And hey, it's a little bit tricky to see, but there is indeed something sitting on top of the beam right above your head. It's a heavy looking statue of an angel. Its right arm is stretched out towards you, the hand empty and far out of reach. But in its left hand, you spot a key. Ooh. Great. So how do we get that down? Can we climb on the bus? Can I do what can the bus? The, can we throw the Bible on the <laughs> 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 You try, but e- even the strength of the Bible cannot knock it down. <laughs> what else? Okay. What else do we have? We never came across any tools of any kind. No. Um, Can we stand on each other? Can we give each other a boost, or is that out of the question? It's a bit too tall. The an- the angel itself is give is tried to give you a hint. Okay. What is then the I an- saw an angel coming down from heaven. He's what was holding the, yeah, the great chain. He's holding oh, the chain. Well, get the chain with the book. The book you do have it. some loose chain attached to your yeah. book. Yeah. Let's go ahead and use that as like a uh, grappling hook and try and wrap it around and pull that friggin' angel off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you take your chain, you hold the tra- the translating book on the other end, and you give the chain a few practice loops, build up the momentum, and you give it your perfect lasso toss. And it's just long enough to reach the outstretched hand and curl around it. And you pull it down, and the whole thing comes toppling. Are you going to catch it, or are you going to let it smash? Go let it smash. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a fire's gonna get this place anyway. Yeah. Who's gonna know? So it smashes to the ground into a million pieces. Sorry, Angel. But now you got a key? Open up the chest. Okay. The chest opens. You flip the lid up. You are eager to see what the spoils of war look like in the 1600s. Ah. Uh... It's, it's not like gems and jewels and crowns. That would have been nice, but okay. It's lots of papers, heavy manuscripts written in Old Dutch. And yeah, you suppose this seems to be some sort of languagey, liking library. It likes doing translations. So maybe these are the most valuable things in the world to them. All right. No time to translate them now, though. The Minnick Society can take care of that. Grace grabs them and she starts carefully sliding the pages under her shirt for safekeeping. And she's beaming with pride at how well you've done. The Minnick Society and the soon-to-be-extinguished Dutch kingdom owes you a great debt. And that's when you notice that the papers were not the only thing inside the chest. There's also a pile of keys. And Grace frowns. Oh, I had not heard of these being part of the treasure collection. In fact, they do not look Dutch. They look rather like the libraries. Perhaps a scholar had previously opened the chest and used it for his own storage, not realizing the importance of the script. How foolish of him. She leans in. Those strange keys, are they not? And indeed, taking a look at them, they are rather odd keys. And you'll now have your final image for the room. Yes, again, for people at home, this is the final image. You can look at it in the show notes below. But the lovely Brian Corbett will describe them for you. Uh, so we have... We've got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12. 12 keys. Each one having a different letters on each key. Some have two letters, though. Doesn't look like any of them 
doesn't look like they match up with the bookshelves, but it probably does have something to do with the the knock ask puzzle, which was ask seek knock. I was expecting more from the spoils <laughs> than some ratty paper. I mean, yeah, it's not like you'd be able to take them from the past anyway. Wait, what do you expect? They're Dutch. All they have is windmill and tulips. All right. Um, well, the tulips died. They were in there for too long. <laughs> Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Okay, so should we? There's. So we spell knock. Uh huh. So K N O C K. Well, so it'll, yeah, knock and it'll open. So we should then, we, those, those yeah, should those be the three keys, keys right? Absolutely. Okay. You were indeed looking for three keys. You put the K key, the N-O key, and the C-K key, wow, that's hard to say, <laughs> in the three locks on the main door, and they all turn. The door opens, and all of you rush out. Yay! The smell of smoke is thick. It's choking. The library walls must have held it at bay better than you thought. You can see threatening black and red in the nearby sky, and you sprint in the opposite direction. Grace knows the streets well, and even with the Dutch documents hidden under her clothes, she moves swiftly, and you're losing your breath trying to keep up. Whew. We should separate here, she says, when you're some distance from the library. I shall take these to the society, where they will be properly cared for. You should return to wherever you call home, and when I have the chance, I shall find you to return my debt. Return my debt? Repay my debt. Got to rewrite that note. <laughs> I mean, well, that works for you because at this exact moment, your watches start beeping, and you know what that means. You're about to vanish back to the present. So you part ways with Grace, and you find a little concealed corner, and you wait, and your bodies disappear back into the space-time vortex. And then you're back in Doc Bill's lab. He comes over to welcome you back, but stops and stiffs your clothes, and... You explain what it was like being so close to the Great Fire of London. And behind him, you see David and Lisa, your classmates, nodding with a been-there expression of sympathy. You explain a little more of your experience, and Doc Bill nods thoughtfully. Mm. The Minnick Society. Fascinating. While the Anglo-Dutch Wars obviously didn't result in the annihilation of the Netherlands like this Grace believed, she was clearly doing a good deed for all historians worldwide. I imagine Greg was the scholar who locked her in. Sacrificing this girl's life and destroying what may have been priceless documents? Two unforgivable crimes. Whether it was intentional or not, I think it has to be said. Greg is being, excuse my language, a bit of a butthead. <laughs>